0: Go ahead and pull out your Bibles this morning, Uh, something to take notes with, phone, notebook, something like that. Um, I haven't preached in four weeks, so I'm probably just going to yell real loud this whole time and just got all this energy, you know what I'm saying? Go ahead and pull out your Bibles. Open up to Luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be this morning. Happy Palm Sunday, everybody. Happy Happy Palm Sunday. It's good to be here. Is that how you say it? Is it Mary Palm Sunday? I don't know what it is, but it's Palm Sunday. I'm glad to be at church. Luke 19, anybody there? Awesome, we're not going to read it quite yet. Just checking. A few weeks ago, I was at lunch with some friends. Uh, They're in this room, and they're going to think this story is funny because they were giving me a hard time about it. I was at a a restaurant in town, kind of like a a bar and grill place, burgers, wings, all that kind of stuff, and I'm trying to order, I think I was ordering a cheeseburger or or wings. I think it was a cheeseburger. And uh, I'm looking at the menu, and I'm trying to figure out what comes with my cheeseburger. Uh, like what comes on top of it, what comes on the side, and all that. And I noticed on the menu that a side of fries was two dollars and fifty cents extra, uh, which I thought was interesting for a burger place to charge extra for fries. So I'm thinking these fries might be something special. I don't know about you. Okay, two fifty. I think I'm like that's a lot for a side of fries. You know what I'm saying? So I'm thinking these fries are probably going to be something special. I decide I'm going to splurge on these fries, pay the 250 dollars extra. I order the cheeseburger with the fries. We hang out for a few more minutes. We're talking, and uh, they bring us our food, and uh, the guy who brings our food out, he starts putting my plate in front of me, and I look down, and it just kind of all happened really fast, but I I look down, and it was immediately clear to me that there was nothing special about these fries. They had obviously come out of one of those frozen like 20 pound bags of fries, dumped straight in the uh, fryer, no seasoning, no, they're not wedges. There's nothing special about these fries. And so I, I, without even thinking, I just kind of reacted. And before he even has the plate down, I was like, are these the fries that are $2.50 extra? And the two friends sitting with me look at me horrified, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, I'm just asking a question. I don't know, it's just happening so fast. And the, the poor guy looks at me confused, like, yeah. I was like, oh, he's like, is something wrong? And I said, well, I, I mean, not, it's not wrong. I just thought, like, I was surprised when the fries were 250 extra, and I thought that maybe for 250, there'd be something special about these fries. Like, they'd be at least seasoned or something, but like, these are clearly just frozen right out of the bag. And He's, <laughs> this sounds terrible saying it, but there's no malintent, I promise. And he's looking at me like, dude, I don't know what to do. He's like, so uh, do you want me to get you some more? And I'm like, no, I don't want you to get me some more. Like, it's fine. I'm not trying to make a big scene. I just, it caught me off guard. By this time, our waitress who had actually taken our order, she sees that I'm talking to the guy and comes over and is like, hey, is there something wrong? And I'm like, No, nothing's wrong. I just thought the fries were going to be different than they are. And so she's like, no, these are our fries. I'm like, I see that now. And then she kind of starts the whole conversation. Do you want something? Do you need more? And I'm like, no, I don't need more. Like, I don't want to talk about this. I just... I thought it was gonna be something different, I don't know, and my two friends, Chad and Chad here in the room, are looking at me like, bro, just let it ride, man, Like, leave it, just leave it. And I, I'm just like, I don't know, I, I didn't wanna talk about it, but they kept asking me questions. And so I had to answer, and they're like, isn't this what you thought? I'm like, no, but I, it's okay, I just, ah, it's me and the fries, we were having a hard time. And the truth is, at the end of the day, it was my fault, because I looked at the menu, it said a side of fries, and uh, I got exactly what the menu said. I got a side of fries. It's just not what I expected. And I want to share with you this morning from the, this thought, I can't believe my pastor fights with waitresses over fries. No, I'm kidding. That's not it. If you got your notes, why don't to write this at the top of your page. You see it on the screen. I want to I share this morning on Palm Sunday from this thought. It's just like you said, but not what I expected. It's just like you said, but not what I expected. Luke 19 So we're going to be this morning, starting in verse 28, a familiar Palm Sunday story. Would you read with me this morning? Would you read with me this morning? (laughs) I love this church. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage, I guess, in Bethany, at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, he sent... Yeah, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anybody asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say to them, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. Sounds like I'm saying cult. Cult. You know what I'm saying? Like U and O is different. Anyways, ADD moment. And they said, uh, whoops. Thirty-six. How we doing? And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And he was as he was drawing near, already on the way to the Mount of Olives. The whole mount, the the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, "Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest." And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, "Teacher, rebuke your disciples." And he answered them, "I." I tell you if these were silent the very stones would cry out it's just like you said but not what i expected i think we've all experienced this in our lives something being just like we were told but not quite what you expected somebody tells you about something that you're about to do something that's about to happen and you think i got it and then that thing happens you participate in that thing and it was just like they described but still caught you off guard because it wasn't quite what you expected like in my life, uh, when, when uh, Heather and I had our first child, when we had Rose, having kids was one of those things in general, but having a little girl was definitely an example for me where it was just like I was told, but not what I expected, because I was told by other dads who had little girls, get ready, dude, she's going to steal your heart. And then I thought, okay, I'm ready for my heart to be stolen, got it. <laughs> Then she comes and she continues to grow up and be the cutest little fireball on the planet and she's just like, she's stolen my heart, she's stealing my heart and it is just like they said but it is not at all what I expected. I didn't know that it meant I was gonna like feel these feelings and stuff anybody I mean it's just it's just they told me exactly what's gonna happen but it's not quite what I expected and I think you know we, we all we all know what this is like time time flies everybody tells you time flies and then time flies and you're like wow where did the time go they tell you your kids grow up so fast and then they really do you hear that politics are messy and then the 2016 election happens and it's like wow that was not what I expected they tell you as you grow up, your metabolism is going to slow down, and then it does, and it's like, wow, the donuts really do matter, you know? It's like all of these things that's just like people tell you, but it's not what you expected. And it happens even, even kind of on, on the flip side. Some of this is funny, but on the flip side, you know, like you hit hard times, and you've been with people who have hit hard times before, and you walked through with them when tragedy struck or when the struggle got real. You were there for them, and they told you all about it, but then it gets real for you, And it's like, wow, this is exactly like everybody told me it was, but this is just not what I expected, right? We hit a bump in the road, and it's just not quite what we expected. And the truth is, the more that I walk with Jesus, the more that I'm seeing that Jesus is exactly like who he says he is, but more and more, he's not what I expected. He just always seems to be exactly who he said he was going to be, but, but not quite what I expected. His love, his grace, his power, his, his majesty, his kingdom. I mean, I've got the Bible and I read it, but still, no matter how much I hear about it, no matter how much I hear about him, I read the Bible, it's just, it always seems to be exactly like he said, but it's not at all what I expected. On Palm Sunday, this morning is the beginning of Passion Week, what is known as Passion Week, a week where we celebrate Jesus' passionate pursuit of you and all of humanity. When God took on our flesh and he lived the perfect life that we couldn't live on our broken planet, and he shed innocent blood and the death he didn't deserve and then raised from the grave so that we could have eternal life with God that we were created for. That's a passionate God as a passionate God. This week is a big deal for us. It's full of significant events, significant moments. There's Jesus is, is betrayed, he's arrested, he's crucified, he raises from the grave. It's a big week. It's a big week. And I mean, I know I'm a pastor, I shouldn't say this kind of stuff, but this story that we just read for me has sort of always just slipped through the cracks in the midst of all the major headlines of Passion Week. I, I get it, crucifixion, I see how that matters for my life. The resurrection, pretty clear, I see how that matters for my life. But the triumphal entry, I don't get it. I get that it's right there, and we probably need to know about it, but, but what does that matter for me? What does that matter for What's the lesson in the triumphal entry? It's just sort of always slip, slip through the cracks. And I mean, the question is really, what's so triumphal or triumphant? about this entry like he comes into Jerusalem on a donkey like whoever triumphed anything on a donkey I just it just I, I haven't really ever understood what's the big deal about the triumphal entry but I believe that this morning God's got he's been showing me something for sure out of these verses this week I want to share it with you and I pray that it's helpful for you along this thought it's just like you said but it's not what I expected anybody ready for that yeah. all right cool my beautiful assistant, Chad Fregi, is going to come up here and help me pull some things out. Because I've been thinking about you, and I've got an illustration. thought you were going to grab some help, bro. I got it. Way to go, Chad. Chad and Karis Fregi this morning, guys. Look at them both. Come on. That went just like I said, but not what I expected. (laughs) When I read this story, Luke 19, I begin to see a gap emerge in this story. There's an interesting gap that I start to see pull up in this story as I was reading through it this week. And I saw the gap and I started to realize I recognize that gap. I recognize that gap from my own life and I wonder if maybe you recognize the gap from your life. There's a gap between, what do we have over here? There's a gap between somebody's expectations of what it was gonna look like when God did exactly what he said he was gonna do, a gap between the expectations and the reality of what it looked like when God did exactly what he said he was gonna do. I see a gap form in this story, and, and, and I, I, know, I know this gap. The first time we see the gap, I think, is the first part of our story when we run into these two disciples who are sent to get a donkey. Read with me again, verse 29, we'll start there. It says, when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that was called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied, a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it, bring it here, and if anyone asks you why you are untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away, Uh, Sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. How weird is that? So strange. So strange. Jesus turns to these two guys, there's a crowd of them. It's not just Jesus and the 12. It says there's further down, it says there's a multitude of disciples. So there's a big crowd of people. Jesus turns around, pulls two guys and says, hey, that village we're going to, I want you to go up there. You're gonna find a donkey tied up on a rail. It's gonna be a little bit squirrely because no one's ever ridden on it. But still, I want you to untie it, get real close. I want you to untie it and I want you to bring it here. Now, if the owners see you stealing their donkey, And they say, hey, why are you stealing my donkey? Just say this. Write this down. The Lord has need of it. Trust me. And they go. How strange is that? I've not gotten that kind of instruction from Jesus before. It's very, very interesting. My first question about this whole thing is, the Lord has need of it. Does that work like at a car dealership or or like at least five guys or something? You know, you just walk in and it's like, I like that. And you just take it and say, the Lord has need of it and we get out of here. I don't know. I wonder what the extent of this is. I, I don't know. Maybe don't, maybe don't stretch it. But, but really, what's going on here with these disciples sent to get this donkey? All I know about this story, and, and this is maybe an inference, but I think it's, I think it's legitimate, that I, I just think that there's no way that these guys expected that this would be the type of stuff that they would get sent out to do when they started following Jesus, when they joined the multitude of disciples, I doubt that this is the kind of errand they were anticipating being assigned. It doesn't tell us who these two guys are. It just says two of the disciples. It could have been two of the 12, but I think it's pretty clear by virtue of the errand they were sent on, these are definitely new guys. Definitely intern, <laughs> intern disciples for sure. Absolutely an intern errand that they get. So they get this, these interns, they get their intern errand, and it's not what they expected but it says they go and they go and they do it because they're good interns and that's what good interns do. They go and they 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 go off on this. Now now if I'm going on this errand and Jesus says, Go do the donkey, here's all the stuff that's gonna happen, I'm expecting, okay, I'm probably gonna end up with a donkey. Like the end goal, we're gonna get there, but the in between stuff, there's no way it's gonna go down like that. I'm gonna have to get creative, but like Jesus sent me, so I'm definitely not coming back without a donkey, but I'm coming back with a donkey one way or another. But the other stuff is, there's no way it's going to go down like that. But verse 32, it says, those who were sent went away and found it just as he told them. Just as he told them. I mean, even to the point where they're untying the donkey, and the owners come out and say, why are you untying my donkey? And they just throw the line out there. The Lord has need of it. And it works. And I can just picture these guys like wincing, thinking like, this is where we get beat up, right here, right now. There's no way this is going to work. But it works. It happened just like he said it was going to do. Like I said, I'm I'm inferring a little bit, but I think it's fair to assume that they weren't expecting to get this kind of stuff, that there was a gap between which side do we have here? There's a gap between the errands they expected to get as a follower of Jesus and the reality of the errands that they actually got. There was a gap between how they expected their errand to go and the reality of how it actually went. It went just like Jesus said, but there's no way it was just what they expected. That's the first time I see the gap in this story of between expectations and reality. The second time I see this gap pull up is uh, the crowd that meets them on the way to Jerusalem. Verses 35 through 40 say this, and they brought it to Jesus, uh, the donkey and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he, as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered them, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. To understand this gap between expectations and reality, you have got to understand a little bit of what's going on in the Jewish mind at this point in the in the crowd full of Jewish people. What's going on here? See, the Jews have been awaiting a Messiah. For they were waiting God to send a Savior for hundreds and hundreds of years. They were waiting on this anointed one. He'd be called the Christ. He was going to come, and he was going to uh, he was going to come into town. And he was going to set them free from the Roman oppression, and he was going to establish. Uh, he was going to establish the nation of Israel as the greatest nation on earth. That's what he was supposed to do. They had had kings in the past, but they hadn't had a king for a long, long time. And God was supposed to send them a new king. And he was supposed to come riding into town. He was supposed to be from the family of David. He was supposed to set them free. And he he was supposed to establish a new kingdom. This is what God had promised, and this is what they were expecting God to do. And then here comes Jesus riding into town from the family line of David to set them free and establish a new kingdom. God came riding into town exactly like he said he was going to, but it was not what they expected. There was a gap between what it looked like when God did exactly what he said he was going to do and what they had been expecting this whole time for it to look like when God did exactly what he said he was gonna do. And this gap is reflected in the crowd and it was a significant gap and it was kind of a dangerous gap because in this gap it caused a split in the crowd. And this is fascinating to me. This gap right here meant that the crowd full of people from the same nationality, heritage, holding the same promise in the same city at the same time watching the same thing saw two totally different things. This gap in their expectations. They interpreted it two completely different ways. Half of the crowd said, this is the guy. This is him who we've been waiting for. And the other half of the crowd wanted to kill him for being a fraud. It's fascinating, this gap between expectations and reality. There was a gap between what they expected it to look like and what The reality actually looked like. In Matthew's account of this story in Matthew chapter 21, he actually records this detail uh, in verses 4 and 5. He says, This took place, talking specifically about the donkey, what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal a beast of burden. They've been prophesied hundreds of years before, but it's still, I mean, it went exactly like that. But it's not at all what they expected. I'm seeing this gap in this story. I'm starting to recognize this gap in my whole life. I'm familiar, like I said. Anybody else familiar maybe with the gap between what you expected something to be like and the reality of what it's actually like? Me and three other people? Well, we'll talk then. For example, marriage. I was told that in marriage the two become one. And what I expected was that we wouldn't do anything else but become one. We're going to spend a lot of time becoming one, if you know what I'm saying. Woo! Hallelujah. The reality is, when well, we become one, don't get me wrong, but the reality is I didn't know that that also meant that, like, two opinions were going to have to come to one decision. Or, like, two personalities were going to have to have one conversation, or two human beings were going to have to decide what to do with one bank account or with one household. Like, I expected it to become one, but we got to become one. It's just like people said, but it's not what I expected. Maybe you've experienced this. You've, uh, you've joined this church, or you, you've uh, become, you kind of tr- trying to become part of this com- community. You've joined a life group, or you just, you want to make friends, or you've joined a community at some point And you, you know, you hear, especially around here, man, we're going to become family and you're going to make friends, uh, and you read the Bible, and the Bible talks about how iron sharpens iron, and that sounds awesome. And so what we expect is that we show up to church, and we're just going to get along with everybody right away. I'm going to go to life group a few times, That everybody's going to be just like me. It's going to be awesome. And then I'm going to even join a discipleship group, and we're going to be like instant besties, and they're going to like love what I love and totally get me, and it's going to be awesome. The reality is that the people around you really are absolutely amazing. But the reality is that they're not all just like you. Praise God. <laughs> they're not, they're not all, all just like you. The, the reality is that human beings are interesting creatures and they're unique and relationships are awesome, but they're not easy. That's the reality of the situation. The reality is that when iron sharpens iron, there's like a lot of friction and it gets hot and there's like rough edges. And by rough edges, I don't mean everybody else has them but you. Guys, we got the iron sharpener. It sounds cool, but in reality, it's just like that. It's just not what I expected. Or maybe you've gotten a promise from God. You've got something you're holding on to. He has promised you healing, He's promised you progress or victory or a breakthrough. He's just made a promise to you, and what you expected was an instant result. I expected when I got this promise, I expected a promotion, and in reality, I got a process. In reality, he gave me his victory, but I didn't know I was still going to have to fight the battle. What I expected was a little different than the reality. It's just like he said, but it's just not what I expected. I think we all know what this gap is like. So the question is, what's so triumphant about the triumphal entry? What did Jesus triumph over when he came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. The fact is that when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey, he triumphed over your discouragement. Because it means that when there's a gap between what you expect and what reality looks like, that gap isn't there because God's coming up short. That's not why the gap is there. It means that just like these two interns, when my road doesn't look like my road when my road doesn't look like what I thought my road was going to look like, I'm still on the right path. Trying to put some courage in you this morning. When it doesn't look like what you expected it to look like, you don't have to get discouraged because when Jesus came in on a donkey, he showed us that he is faithful to exactly what he said even when it doesn't look like what you expected. It means in this gap, you don't have to get discouraged because he's going to do what he said he's going to do. Is there anybody being encouraged by the love of Jesus this morning? Are we awake? All right. He triumphed over your discouragement. And the other thing is, when he rode in on a donkey into Jerusalem, he triumphed over your hopelessness. It means that when it seems like you've been waiting forever for God to do what he said he was going to do, you can have hope that it may have been a while, but he is going to do exactly what he told you he is going to do. You don't have to lose hope that he's not gonna come through. It may take longer than you expected, but it's gonna be just like what he said. It means that when he shows up differently than when I thought he was going to show up, he shows up a little bit different than I thought when he shows up and he doesn't kill that giant that I was expecting him to kill. When that promise doesn't come to pass the same way I thought it was gonna come to pass, it means that I can have hope That whatever he's doing, it's exactly what he said he was going to do. It means that when he doesn't come in exactly how I thought, I can have hope that he's coming exactly like I need him to. It means that when he doesn't kill the giant like I expected him to, it means I can have hope that he's actually taking aim at a bigger giant that I don't even know about that's trying to kill me. It means that I have hope. That when he's not coming through on the promise like I thought he was going to come through, that promise must be bigger than I thought. It must be better than I thought. It must be more, bigger and better and more glorious than I thought. It's not quite what I expected, but I can have hope that God's gonna do exactly what he said he's going to do because I've seen him do it before. And that's how you triumph something riding on a donkey, you fulfill a promise as a testimony for all of time that I'm going to keep my promises. He triumphed over your discouragement and he triumphed over your hopelessness. And that's encouraging that he triumphed over these things, but the reality is sometimes we still live in this gap, right? Like I get it, I don't have to be discouraged, I don't have to be hopeless, but sometimes there's still a gap between the reality of my situation and what I expected it to be like. So how do we... How do we fill in this gap? How do we get kind of from what we expected into what, we, what reality is? Like Kind of like the crowd, how do we not get so distracted by our unmet expectations that we miss out on reality? What do we do? What are, what are some things we can do? So I'm going to give you two things this morning. Is anybody alive to receive these two things? Number one, we get from our, uh, our interns. They show us something powerful of how we can function in this gap? Number one, obedience. I tried to figure out how I could like put some boards that have more signs and that just got complicated. So you can imagine it like one of the boards across like a bridge, right? Obedience. Obedience. I mean, would we even have this story if these two unnamed interns didn't do exactly what Jesus gave them to do? Their task wasn't what they expected, but they had no idea that it was bigger than they could have ever imagined. They expected, I'm sure, when they started following Jesus, to be part of preaching the gospel, seeing the kingdom of God, miracles. They were going to see all these amazing things, and they get sent to get a donkey not what they expected, but what they didn't realize was that God had chosen these two guys to be the conduit for him fulfilling a prophecy from hundreds of years before as a testimony to you that he's going to keep his word. It wasn't what they expected, but their reality was bigger than they could have ever dreamed. Too often we get distracted when God isn't meeting our expectations and so we can stop obeying his commands we kind of want to make sure he's holding up his end of the bargain before i do this whole obey what you say thing and we all we've all been there it's not like a coming down it's just it's hard when your expectations aren't being met especially when you're trying to be godly in the middle of it it's like this isn't what i thought we can get distracted and we can stop being obedient like it's hard to be patient when you feel like you've been waiting on god for a long time that's just hard It is hard. It's hard to stay faithful when the process is taking a lot longer than you thought it was going to take. Like I was supposed to get a new job like in three months, not three years, right? It's hard to stay faithful in the middle of that. It's hard to not lose hope when I thought that this was going to change quicker and it's not even changing at all. Like I don't see anything going on here. It's hard to not lose hope in that situation. It's hard to love people when people are hard to love. You know, (laughs) it's hard. But I want you to write this down. It's in your mundane faithfulness that you pave a way for Jesus' triumphal entry. God's gonna meet me on Sunday, but Monday it's just up to me. No, no, no. When you're faithful on Monday, you're paving a way for Jesus to ride right into your situation. It's your mundane faithfulness that paves the way for Jesus, Jesus' triumphal entry. Jesus is going to provide. He is going to bring the breakthrough. He will do what he said he will do. It might not look like what you expect it to look like, but it's going to be exactly like he said. When things aren't what we expected, I don't know about you, but this question can rise up. Like, is God going to do it? Like, is he going to be faithful Is he gonna do what he said? Is he gonna keep his promise? Like, I don't know right now. This expectation, thing I just don't know. The truth is, this story shows us that the question isn't, is God gonna be faithful to his word? The question is, will you be faithful to his word? Will I be faithful to his word? He is ready to ride in on the donkey if we'll bring it to him, even when it doesn't make sense. Even when things aren't what you expected them to be, if you'll, focus exactly on, if you'll focus on doing exactly what God's given you to do, God's going to do exactly what he said he would do. Obedience is going to help us not get lost in the gap between our expectations and our reality. Is that one good enough for you to want a second one? Yeah. Number two is worship. We learned this from the crowd. Like I said earlier, this is fascinating to me that, that the same... That, that this crowd can be made up of, like I said, the same nationality, the same history. They're all holding on to the same promise. They're witnessing the same event at the same time in the same place, like on the same dirt, not on TV. It's not live stream. They are there. And they have two completely different conclusions. The difference between the people who got what God was doing and the people who didn't get what God was doing was worship. The ones who worship, they got it. The ones who didn't worship, they missed it. And this is important. This like, doesn't feel encouraging right off the bat, but the truth is if we get so lost in our unmet expectations and if we get lost in Jesus not being exactly what we expected him to be, we're going to miss out on Jesus being exactly who he said he would be. I can get so clouded in my expectations. that I, he's just, He has got to fit in this box. And then all of a sudden he's over there being exactly what he said he would be, but it's just not what I expected. And I'm stuck over here thinking the Messiah is a fraud. We gotta turn our hearts to worship. I want you to write this down too, it's a little bit long, but if you'll worship even when Jesus isn't what you expected, you'll always find him to be better than you even dreamed. If you'll worship him, even when Jesus isn't what you expected, you will always find him to be better than you ever dreamed. They expected a militant king to come in on a stallion and overtake the Romans. That's what they were expecting. But when they worshiped, instead of getting lost in unmet expectations, they saw that they didn't just get a king on a stallion. They got God on a donkey at a level they could look him in the eye. Not somebody who's going to look down on them and rule with a heavy hand, but somebody who comes and gets on their level and says, I'm here for you. They wanted him to come conquer the Romans. He came to conquer their sin. It was better than they could have ever dreamed. But when they didn't worship, they missed it. When they didn't worship him for who he was, they missed him for who he was. And the truth is, this heart of of worship, what I mean by that is a heart of thankfulness, a heart of honor towards God. When we have this heart heart of worship towards God, this heart of thankfulness and honor towards God, the beauty of it is it begins to trickle down into every facet of our lives. And it doesn't just help us see Jesus for who he is, it helps us see people for who they are. And instead of focusing on always, I don't know if you've ever done this, but complaining about maybe what somebody in your life isn't doing or what they aren't, you start celebrating and being thankful and honoring them for who they are and what God is doing, what they are doing, and it just changes the way that you see them. Instead of focusing on how they're not meeting your expectations, your spouse, your kids, your boss, your neighbor, your friends, we can have a heart of thankfulness and honor and we won't miss who they are in the midst of what they're not. Worship helps us celebrate what God is doing instead of complaining about what he isn't. I can get lost in complaining about how it's not like this. And I miss the opportunity to celebrate the reality of how good Jesus really is. Like I said, Jesus isn't always gonna be exactly what you expect, but he's always gonna be exactly who he said he is and is always gonna be better than you think, even when it's different than you expected. And the truth is, we see in this crowd that when you're in the middle of unmet expectations, when you're really like feet grounded in this box, you know, on purpose, or that's not even a bad thing, like we've got it. how are you supposed to not have an expectation, you know? Like it's not even a bad thing, but you can get really rooted and grounded in that box. And the truth is, when we're in the middle of our unmet expectations, that's when we need to worship with the most extravagance. We see this crowd, they responded. They didn't just say, yeah, that's God. You know, like Let's raise our hands like this and Jesus, you know? They started taking off their coats and laying it on the ground so his donkey could walk on them. They started pulling palm branches on the ground so the donkey could walk on it. They started shouting things like, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest unashamed, unreserved, full on. This is the guy. In the middle of their unmet expectations, they didn't get distracted, but they worshiped with extravagance. And the fact is, in our unmet expectations, we've got to pave this gap. We've got to pave this gap with our worship, with our extravagance. We've got to lay down our coats, the expectations that we've been wearing, that have been covering us and Weighing us down, we gotta lay those down and let that pave the road, right? We gotta lay down the palm branches of our preferences of how we wish Jesus would come through a different way than he is right now instead of just celebrating how he is coming through. We gotta lay down our coats. We gotta lay down our palm branches. We gotta celebrate exactly who he is. We gotta celebrate who he is because who he is is exactly who we need the most. Instead of just getting stuck and saying, God, I don't get it. And I'm not saying that there's not gonna be times where we really don't get it. It's like really hard or really confusing or really tiring, that's for real. But in the midst of it, we can't get stuck in it. We've gotta turn our hearts and declare, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. He's triumphing over my situation. He's triumphing over my expectations, over my discouragement, over my hopelessness. I will pave the road for him to come with my expectations. I will lay them down on the ground. I will put down my preferences and I will celebrate him being exactly who he is even though it's not at all what I expected it to be. We gotta be people who worship in the midst of our unmet expectations. When Jesus came riding in on a donkey, he triumphed over your discouragement. He triumphed over your hopelessness. And if we will live our lives obeying what he's given us to do, if we will live our lives worshiping him in the midst of maybe what he isn't doing or what we, didn't, what we thought he was going to do and these unmet expectations, he will be exactly who he has said he will be. He will be our Messiah, our King, our Savior, our friend, our Father. He will be our God, and he will be with us even to the end of the age. We'll just live our lives obeying and worshiping, even in the midst of a real-life gap between our expectations and our reality. Amen? Amen. Why don't you go ahead and stand up and have our team come up and lead us in in one more song this morning. If you've been with us, and you know we like to close uh, with some worship. So there's about to be some motion behind me, but that's okay. So as we close uh, with this song, look at this teamwork up here. Just such beautiful, great people. Love it. Maybe you've got an act of obedience or an act of worship that you've got to express this morning. There's something you need to obey. There's something you need to lay down in an act of worship. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never given your life to Jesus. And your first act of obedience and worship needs to be actually for the first time declaring that he's going to be the Lord of your life. Maybe you are in the middle of a gap between some expectations and some reality, and it's keeping you. It's, it's become an excuse to not obey. It's become an excuse not to worship. And you've got to lay down those expectations so that you can step into the reality of what God is doing instead of getting caught up in how it's not what you thought it was going to look like. Because this Palm Sunday, he, we celebrate that Jesus triumphed over our expectations. He triumphed over our discouragement, our hopelessness. He may not be exactly like you thought he was gonna be, but he's better than you think. That's what this week is a celebration of. And I pray this week, this Passion Week, that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that we can just dwell in this truth. That when he's not meeting my expectations, he's doing a better job than I could have done with my expectations myself. I pray this a word of hope, it's a word of freedom for you this morning. So as we worship, we're going to sing that song Cornerstone again. Our hope is built in nothing less but Jesus' blood and His righteousness. And I just want to give us an opportunity to worship one more time. Just right where you are. Sometimes we have our prayer team over. I just want you to express to God what you need to express to God this morning exactly where you are. I want you to commit to being obedient in the midst of your expectation gap. You have an opportunity right now to worship even in the middle of what might be a gap that is discouraging you or bringing you hopelessness. But our hope can't be in our expectations. Our hope is in Jesus. Amen. I'm going to pray for us as we sing together. Can we celebrate Passion Week one more time beginning this morning? Jesus, we love you so much. And I thank you, Lord, for the triumphal entry. I thank you that you came on a donkey instead of a stallion. I thank you that you didn't come like we all thought you were going to, but you came exactly like you said you were going to. And I thank you for the story that is a testimony to all of us. That in the middle of our gap, you're going to be good. You're going to do what you said you were going to do. I thank you that we can celebrate that you're faithful this morning. Lord, I pray that all hopelessness would leave everybody's life in this room this morning. There'd be no more hopelessness. There'd be no more discouragement. But that we would be strong and courageous. And that we would realize that our hope doesn't disappoint. Because it's been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. That we step into your life and your power and your love this morning. We worship you in Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together one more time.